Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Eric Kostelnik, founder and CEO of Postal.io. Postal.io is an integrated direct mail platform for sales and marketing teams that leverages machine learning to automate and optimize the creation, delivery, and reporting of personalized physical assets in the sales process. Eric is an award-winning entrepreneur and sales leader that has founded and scaled multiple technology companies that have led to hyper revenue growth, major capital investments, and three favorable exits. Eric, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Great, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Can you walk us through your background and how it's led uh, you up to the point where you're now at Postal.io? Yeah, so I've, I've been in sales for 20 years, man. This is something that I think all of us that are that love it and love the pain and the, the challenges and the opportunity that it brings. It's just something that's just part of me. I actually started like you know selling papers and candy in school and stuff as a kid, but uh, as I started to get into my career, I started selling cars, started selling power tools, and then started you know moved to the Bay Area from the East Coast and, and saw that everybody who was doing well had been in technology, mm-hmm. and so I tried to get myself into the technology game. Um, got myself into to a company called CareerBuilder.com, which was my first technology opportunity, and uh, started selling job postings during the recession, which was a <laughs> grind. It yeah. was the hardest thing ever, but uh, I was selling cars and power tools before that, so it was easier because they knew how to work, and I was mm-hmm. more you know, brought up on, on the blue-collar side of things. So I did well, actually, during the recession. You know, scored a couple of big accounts. They moved me into leadership in Chicago. Um, really learned sales process and methodology and understood how to scale sales teams and manage salespeople. And I got myself into my first startup called Identified, which was a social recruiting platform that was funded by Eric Schmidt and Draper and some you know, famous guys and uh, a bunch of smart Stanford guys that needed somebody to run their sales department. So I scaled their sales team. We exited to Workday. We were Workday's first acquisition back in 2013. After that, I worked for Reich, which was, I was head of sales at Reich, which is a project management software company. We grew that business from 4 million to 30 million in two years. Got, uh, boy, hired like 70 reps worldwide. And during that time, I founded TextRecruit, which which was my first startup personally, which was essentially taking everything that was done via email and and switching it to text message in recruiting. And uh, we built that business and exited that business within three years, had a favorable exit with that one. And 
just decided, hey, I think I got one more big swing at this. What am I going to do? Um, I'm going to go after this massive opportunity that I think is offline sales and marketing engagement that just deserves a platform. You know, try to build the next Marketo uh, for the offline. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm curious, you know, let's think back to when in these multiple, you know, stops in your career, when you're yeah. tasked with starting toward in the beginning stages of a company, you're having to grow the sales team. What are some of those obstacles you're tackling in the beginning? And how does that change as you kind of scale the company? Starting businesses, the challenges from a sales and marketing execution standpoint are completely different than your scaling. So you're starting and you're scaling are two different things. And you really have to look at it from a, a revenue milestone standpoint. So getting to a million dollars, then getting to $15 million, then getting up to $50 million plus, mm-hmm. all those things are different challenges. And for me, so just to break it down, as a sales leader coming into something like Identified or or Rike, Identified was more zero to one. Rike was more basically like one to 30. So we were like one to 15, cross that 15 mark, then we were getting to 50. And then same thing with texture crew, we went from zero to 30. You know, that's, I had kind of all those experiences and we're going through the same stuff with Postal. But just to answer your question, you know, the, the challenges that you face when you're starting a business is number one, does the product that you built and thought about, does it fit with the market? Are, do you identify your personas? Are you understanding who can buy this thing? And is it resonating in the market? Is it resonating in the time that you're in? All those things are massive factors. Because you can't really build and scale a company over a million dollars. You can grind it out to get a million dollars but like in recurring revenue, but you can't scale a business that you don't have like the exact things that you need in place from a, a manageable execution standpoint. So do you have the right quotas in place? Do you have the right people in place? Do you have the right process in place? Do you have the right pricing in place? All those things come about in determining how you're going to actually build this business in the future in the first million dollars of revenue. Then once you're past that and and that you find that market fit, then it turns into, okay, now that I've got this fit in this market, how do I take capital and basically take all that capital and throw gasoline on the fire? If you've built the fire, right, and the fire is contained, you know everything that about that fire. It's, it's growing. That fire is growing. And if you want to expand that fire, you want you just don't want to dump gasoline on that fire and have it be a wildfire. You don't want that wildfire. You want that fire to go as high and then burn as high as it possibly can. Maybe you consistently make that fire a little bit bigger, but it's controlled. And so that's really what that, that funding event does for folks that have that product market fit is to actually contain that fire, but grow the heat and grow the velocity of what that fire is. And so that's the analogy I use a lot in in that kind of that journey to the 5 million. And then once you've got to that 5 million, hopefully within a three-year period, that's when it really becomes the next challenge. And that is, how do you grow exponentially? And so exponential growth is like, okay, how do I expose the product to different industries? How do I expand in different verticals? How do I expand in different territories? And you start thinking about different ways that you can expand this product. Then post like 30, 50, you got to start thinking about different products within your, your actual platform. How do you put more products into this platform and how do you grow that business and essentially create little startups when you, within your startup to grow that business and, and obviously get to the 50 plus million mark. So that's what I've found. And it's just about hiring the right people, right process, and having the right tech in order to do that. That was a mini B-school class right there. No bit. Awesome. I will say I went to a D2 school in Pennsylvania. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I did. God, I was a 2.0 EOC student. 
under this is all understanding what has happened to me in my lifetime to like help me understand actually how these things are done. And it's not about knowing what goes right. It's about mm-hmm. what went wrong. Like mm-hmm. that is the most important piece. You got to make sure you understand what went wrong and why did it go wrong. And for me, I think I've been a, a good steward of understanding when things go wrong, what do you need to do to change it? Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the opportunity you mentioned earlier on with Postal. Can you kind of walk us through what the opportunity in that market looks like that you've entered now with your new company? Yeah. So this one really excites me because it's something that I love. Recruiting technology, which I was in for 10 years, project management software technology, not that sexy. They didn't get like the juices flowing. I love those problems that were there and the technology that I, we were able to build and establish and the teams that we were able to establish to build, you know, this repeatable technology and companies that, that grew. But sales and marketing tech, when you're working with sales and marketer, they're just different people, right? There are people. They're the people that like just get juice stuff, new stuff and new things to make them more performance ready and more executing at a higher level, more productive. And so I think that there's obviously much larger market when we talk about sales and marketing technology in the sales and marketing world. There's roughly 50 million people that we've targeted that can buy our software in the United States. So with that, what do you got to do? You got to figure out where the problems are. Well, the problems in sales certainly do not exist in the digital side of things. Like we've seen this incredible amount of investment in venture capital money and time and resources to optimize the digital experience that you have with your customers. You find that through your Marketos, your Eloquas that started, your HubSpots, your Salesforce, and then you run into sales automation with SalesLoft and Outreach and early on InsideSales.com. Like all these tools, we're optimizing this workflow of this digital impact, your advertising, your emails, your sequences, your LinkedIn, all the things that happen in the online world. And for me, I looked at that process and I say, if everybody starts doing this, which they have, everybody has access to these resources, what is the key thing that is going to change the way that you convert a customer, differentiate you as a business or you as a brand or you as a professional? And for me, that had everything to do with leveraging the offline. Mm -hmm. So looking at B2C, which B2B generally follows B2C about five to 10 years later, B2C has been like killing it on the direct mail piece. So go to Instagram or you go to a website and next thing you know, you got this curated content that comes to your front door in a catalog. I mean, catalogs have been around forever, right? Sears and Robot. I have a Sears and Robot catalog from 1917. (laughs) And I just look at this and I'm like, man, this is like the internet back in the day. This is, Mm -hmm. so for me, it was everything about building a scalable product that could take all of the amazing engagement that you do in the offline world and have the same experience that you have with these, the digital online world. So direct mail should be as easy as email marketing. How do you do that? You create a system that is integrated into your platforms, you create templates, you create AI handwriting, and then you're able to do that, either trigger those direct mail pieces to go off with mail merge that are personalized from you and your brand through the workflows, or you can actually personalize that in the tool and send it off. Then you know all your costs, you know all the impact to that, all the activity records pull back. And it's the same thing with gifting or donations. So if you're sending a bottle of wine, or if you're sending a gift basket, or if you're sending something that you know is in the offline world that's more personal, 
or swag, like all that stuff can then can be contained within this marketplace that we've built in Postal. And now you're able to control that from the technology standpoint, just like you would, you know, sending your email campaigns or, or sending LinkedIn campaigns. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thought process on like why we started it and why we think there's a massive opportunity. Absolutely. I believe in the power of offline. I believe in the power of something that takes up physical space in your prospects world having something on their desk, you know, lumpy mail, all that stuff. I love it. But Eric, it's not sexy, right? It's not as sexy as automation. It's not as sexy as LinkedIn. How do do sales reps and reps probably understand faster than managers, but how do managers start to understand the importance of this and why they need to start integrating it into their outreach process and into their deal flow, like deal process? Okay, this is why it hasn't been sexy. Mm-hmm. It's because it hasn't been because there's been no way to automate it. And as sales professionals, what do we look to? The easiest way, the greatest outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's 125 billion business-to-business emails sent out a day. Mm-hmm. It's only growing, right? Wow. That's why the conversion rate is lower. That's why LinkedIn has closed this network to try to limit the amount of sales that happens on their platform or monetize it with Sales Navigator. Mm-hmm. We have to look to building software that is as easy and as sexy as your email and your workflow automation tools. And that's really what Postal is, is that it's taking everything that you, have, that you would manually do out there and what is in your marketing closet and actually creating a platform to where you can send those things off in sequence just as effective as the way you're engaging on outreach. And for me, I mean, we talked to Blake from Outside View a couple of days ago, his podcast. He's like, man, I've been doing this since day one with my team of writing handwritten notes as the start of our sequence. It's a 2x lift immediately when you send a handwritten note at the start of a sequence. So for me, it's like it will start to get really awesome once everybody understands, hey, it's not just sending an email, making a phone call, sending a text message, sending a canned email that everybody else sends again, sending a LinkedIn invite. That's done. Everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out, and now that the cost structure is lower, we've been able to get the cost down on the direct mail piece, cost down on the gifts. Now you can actually start automating these things just like you do everything else. And you'll find that People who start adopting this are going to start to see their funnels actually lift from a conversion standpoint, and it will be, it'll be very sexy. Awesome. Two things come to mind on what you just mentioned. First off, getting the cost down. What does that cost look like for people who are sending direct mail on your platform and like versus if they were to just do it on their own or what does sure. that look like? So the thing you have to think about is what is the current cost of the current things you do in order to generate your leads and generate your opportunities. So marketers generating leads, salespeople generating opportunities. You have technology costs right now. Your outreach, you know, seed is going to be $1,200 a year. Your LinkedIn navigator is going to be another grand a year. Your marketing automation tool is going to be 15 grand a year. You have to actually look at all those and take all those into incorporation. And then what your advertising spend is, what's your cost per click that you're getting your company, getting, getting your prospects into. The average lead for an enterprise sales organization is between $300 and $600. Okay, so that's how much you pay in a fully loaded lead cost to actually activate this lead into an opportunity. The cost of a direct mail piece for sending a postcard that's personalized, that's brand, branded, that's from Morgan, that is to a customer that is saying something about, you're going to be in the sales process with me now for the next week or month or whatever, how long your sales process is. 
is 69 cents. Mm -hmm. So just to be able to have that, that's 60, let's call it a dollar. It's a dollar. Mm -hmm. A brochure is a dollar 88. So you can have a full blown brochure, just like you have a catalog coming from Amazon or, or coming from your favorite clothing store. You have a dollar 88 that you can brand that is personalized with QR codes that'll take people back to your meeting link and like be able to schedule meetings and everything. Mm -hmm. But the cost of that now is minimal based on what the impact is. $10 gift cards, $10, you know, 15 bottles, $15 bottles of wine. You know, you have your donations on behalf. We have like COVID donation things that people are sending now. You have your swag, which is more expensive, you know, your 20 to $50 swag. So you have to look at that total cost mm -hmm. of your lead, but it really depends on where you're at in the funnel. So you're not going to like send someone a gift that is like 25 to $50 when you have any, haven't ever talked about right. it. Like, this is wasted money, but you are going to send them a postcard. You are going to send them a, a brochure about you and your business. And once they get into your funnel, then you're in the middle of the funnel. And then you could probably choose them a little bit with like a gift card for lunch, or you send them a basket or some cookies or whatever you want to send them, mm -hmm. which is in our marketplace. And then once they become a customer, then it's like they get a note from the CEO that's automated, that looks nice, it's personalized, and it's all set. And they're in a playbook then in Postal for the next 12 months during that renewal. It's like they get something every quarter from you. Maybe you spend like 300 bucks of offline engagement over 12 months with that mm -hmm. customer. It's going to increase at least 2x your overall conversion rate on the sales funnel. And then we haven't seen it yet, but I can guarantee you that the attribution rate, if someone's getting things from you, they're not open your emails. If they're just getting things from you mm -hmm. that are like top of mind to, to them through that customer journey of once they become a uh, customer, mm -hmm. I think it's going to increase your or decrease your attribution rate too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Let's talk about like direct mail plays or sequences or just things you've seen yeah direct mail being used. You touched on it a minute ago when you're talking about kind of like um, uh, when it comes to like amounts you would spend based on where they are in the funnel, which is pretty yeah. intuitive. But let's talk about some interesting things you've seen with, you know, reps sending things in the beginning and, and kind of what those sequences look like. This is a learning process right now. This is a very new concept for B2B. It's like you're sending something not from the brand, but you're actually sending something from you this mail is from you. So I think the real question becomes, I'll tell you about some of the cadences that we've seen, but the real question is how often are you sending these things? And what is the message based on all the other things that you're sending, like your emails or your LinkedIn messages? And what is that content? What's the content of that? And so what we've seen is that, you know, we've seen messages of, from a marketing standpoint, marketers are just using us to get the brand out there. Maybe there's high value target. We know the marketing's budget's huge. So maybe there's high value targets and they're like, hey, we're going to spend $10 to send something out to every single CEO that has branded us and we're going to send a postcard along with it. That's generally what you're seeing. It's like something that's top of the funnel, like come to our site, you know, see what we're all about and let me know if you're interested or do more branding recognition stuff. So we see marketing spend more money at the top and do things that are a little bit more customized based on who they're targeting. Generally, those executives, the decision makers. Reps are more focused on actually sending the direct mail piece. So those direct mail pieces through the funnel and maybe it's like a note card, a postcard, a brochure, a $5, $10 gift card. If it's a high value target, maybe they're sending something more branded like a swag piece or you know something that drives more action. I actually am a pretty big fan of like just setting your number, like the dollar amount that you want to send, uh, spend on each one of your prospects and just hitting that dollar amount and being consistent about that over time. So 
you know, for us, if it's an enterprise customer, I want you to spend a minimum of $25 on that customer to try to get them through the funnel. Mm-hmm. Like marketing, they have their own budget. You know, he's going to look at advertising spend, your social media spend, your webinar spend, your ebook spend, all that stuff. And then you're going to have your postal spend. They're spending roughly like for us, call it like 20% of all of our marketing spend goes to actually our offline as well. Okay. 80% still goes to digital for us. And that's pretty standard. Like HubSpot came out with a study that was like 18% of all budgets are for offline. So we're just kind of capturing that, but like playbooks are a key thing for us to figure out how people are actually going to start sequencing the offline. And that's really what we've built. So uh, postal playbooks, which we we're just launching now is everything about like, okay, this is like for a coffee lover, you know, you're going to send upfront your branded postcard or your branded brochure. And then maybe three weeks later, or two weeks later, whatever you, whatever your cadence wants to be, you send a, a gift card for Pete's. And then two weeks later, if, if they haven't converted, you send them a gift basket with some coffee in it. Those are the type of things that you can do. Google really gave us a, a great like idea of sending a box that had, you know, a remote control car, remote, they'd hold back and say, we'll give you the remote once you get the remote control, control car. So there's like, <laughs> there's kind of like cagey things that you can do to get people to call you back. Or we've heard of things like putting locks on liquor bottles and saying, Hey, call me to get the combination <laughs> or whatever. Like there's, some, there's some very interesting ways that people are like using offline. I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not a huge fan of like baiting people. I think it needs, right. it needs to, cause it's just fake. Right. And you're mm-hmm. just going to get people to call you back for, you know, just to get the thing. Okay. I think the messaging is key. I think the sequential thing is key and making sure that, that people have a, a strong experience on the, in the offline world because we have to be like the white knights of this happening. It's very easy to come into our platform, you know, connect your sales force and fire off 10,000 postcards. You could do that today, like right away. Is that design? Is that quality? Is that branding message? Is the message that your reps are sending? Is that all being a good steward of your company brand, your opportunity, and also postal, right? So mm-hmm. we got to make sure that we're staying pretty close to that piece and seeing how people use it. But again, this is new. So um, you know, we're going to see how, how people use it in the future. That was actually my next question was on um, personalization. Hyper-personalization is really big in the sales enablement space now, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm sure it's a lot of it's on a case by case, but what is that mix of efficiency and hyper-personalization when it comes to creating campaigns and using direct mail? That's a great question. So the way that I explain it is you have personalization and automation and personalization and automation are like both negative magnets. They're kind of bouncing off each other. It's really hard to get those two things to come together. And so my job is to try to figure out how to bring those things closest together to achieve that blend of personalization and automation. And so there's a few things that we do that by. Number one, if you want to send hyper-personalized direct mail or gifts, you can absolutely do that. There's an extension if you're on your Salesforce or Outreach or SalesLoft or HubSpot, you're in there, you can fire off like a customized, whatever, customized note, customized gift, and make sure that it's personalized to that individual. You can do that. I would say that for your higher value targets, for those customers for inside sales that are probably attacking the mid-market to enterprise that have assigned accounts, that's probably the right strategy. 
mm-hmm. is being able to do that and personalizing that. You might want to do some like automation up front to where it's like introducing yourself, calling for a meeting, you know, putting your information in there and having it mail merged and being able to fire that off to your whole entire you know, book. So inside sales, those that are just like very top of the funnel, you're going to find more automation than personalization. I find mm-hmm. it's going to be less about like taking specific things out of what you've researched and putting them into that message and more about doing like generalized kind of templating that will be able to send that message out. So I think it's going to depend on like the average sales price of the product that you're selling and then you know, who you're selling to. Awesome. What types of customers, companies are getting the most value out of Postal that you've seen so far? So first off, you know, we had beta. We launched out of Stealth about three weeks ago. We're a very new company, but we did have beta customers prior to. They kind of ran the gambit. So we've been learning a lot. We've got about 60 customers within the last essentially three weeks in our beta customers. So scaling pretty nicely right now, kind of seeing those initial things that we were talking about getting to 1 million right, earlier. Totally in it right now. For us, we're still really figuring out our product market fit and our personas. Like there are a lot of people, again, 50 million people in the United States could use this product. Sure. If that's the case, dude, like we have a team of 27 people. Yes, we have a very automated process. Like you come in, you can start using it for free for up to three users. You can go and like actually get rolling right away. We have to figure out who we're selling to. And for mm-hmm. us, there's been three main markets. Technology is number one. So technology companies use technology. That's just, that happens. Because they know technology and sales automation, marketing automation, they've been a great target for us. doesn't matter what technology company you are, you have technology that you use to automate things and sales and marketing, and you can use Postal. That represents a massive market share for us. Number two is real estate. So real estate happens to be one of those things that like, it's a high value target, right? Mm -hmm. People selling houses and doing mortgages and commercial real estate, they're all selling and they're selling these big assets. So it's more of like a B to B C. We don't sell to B to C customers, but this is like a large B to C process. So we actually call it more of a B to B to C. They've actually started incorporating in it and that you see financial services and insurance following that as well. Customized direct mail, customized personalization of gifts. So those are really like the three places that we see have fit. And then of course, marketing agencies have started coming to us and starting to learn more. So I think marketing agencies, outsource uh, SDR companies, those companies that are just like doing massive volume on top of the funnel are going to be pretty interested in what we're doing. Awesome. Love it. Eric, great chatting with you today and learning more about Postal and your background and experience in the industry. What is the best thing for people to do if they want to get in touch with you to talk about something you mentioned today or interested in giving Postal a shot? I respond to LinkedIn very quickly. So if anybody has any questions for me personally, hit me up on LinkedIn. And then everything out about Postal, we're very quick to respond through our intercom on Postal if you have any questions about the product. And uh, if you'd like to use the product, just come in, say, you know, want to get started, try for free, and we'll have a wrap to get you on board. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.